Thanks for joining us. To keep up with the latest news and podcasts, visit www.propelchurchaz.com. Now get ready for a great message from Pastor Jason. together today, and uh, I'm so glad that you're here, and we're going to jump into this uh, series again today, and as we near the end um, of this series, we've been studying the nature and character of God in and through the different names of, of God. So if you pull out your Bibles and pull out your outlines and silent your phone, we're going to continue with this series that we've started And as I said earlier in this series, my prayer is that we'd all grow closer to the Lord over the course of this series. And as we're reminded of who our God is through his different names, we can draw closer in our personal relationship with Jesus to who God is. And our relationship with God would grow because we understand who he is and how we can know him personally through his different names. Today I want to look at the name Jehovah Sabah which means the Lord of hosts. Now, it actually is spelled two different ways. Uh, the first way is spelled with, with the T, which is the way the ancient Hebrew writes the name, and the T is silent there. And in, in, the, in the Greek or in the New Testament, it's spelled with an S. And they both mean the same thing. It both refers to God, the Lord of hosts. And it's pronounced Saba, even though it looks like it could be Sabaoth, it could be pronounced that way, but it's pronounced Saba. And the name of God here as Jehovah Saba is first seen in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 3, where it says, Elkanah, who became the father of the prophet Samuel, went every year to worship and sacrificed to the Lord Almighty in Shiloh. And the Lord Almighty here also means Jehovah Saba or the Lord of hosts. So that's what it's referring to. That's where the first time in scripture we see the name Jehovah Saba. Now this name of God references that God is Lord over all. That he is Lord over the heavens and the earth. He's the ruler of the world. He's the ruler of mankind. He's the ruler of all angels and demons. He's the ruler over everything. God has the final say. And so this morning, I want us to take a closer look at the meaning of Jehovah Saba when it comes to our relationship with Jesus. And David referred to God as the Lord of hosts when he was just a boy and about to fight Goliath, if you recall the story. And this is what David said to Goliath in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 45, when Goliath told David that he would kill him and he was going to give his flesh to the birds and to the wild animals. And David said in verse 45, it says, David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. And David here, I want you to see, he refers to God as Jehovah Saba here. Even as a boy, David knew God as the Lord of hosts. He knew God in that personal relationship. He knew him as the one true God with all power, with all authority, that he was the ruler of the world. He knew that God was the God of Israel and he was in charge of Israel's armies. And just as much as David knew that, we also must know that God is Lord Almighty or the Lord of all power. And I know that we know that here, but do we know that when it comes to walking in and out in our relationship with Christ? There's a difference. And David knew even though he was young and smaller than Goliath, 
God would give him the victory because God was the one in control. Amen. God was in charge. That if Israel and he were being threatened and mocked, God would have the last say in this outcome. David knew that. And so we see in this passage that David knew who his God was and that he was submitted to God. But David also knew who he was in God. He knew and had his identity in the Lord. It wasn't in himself. And David had already been anointed to be the next king of Israel in God's timing. But he knew his authority came from God. Because God was Jehovah Saba. And so as believers, we must know God as Jehovah Saba. We must believe and walk in his power and authority. We operate in God's power and authority and not in our own strength. And God wants us to live in the peace knowing that he's in charge. That he's the complete ruler of the world. Including our lives, including the world's situations and everything in it. And that at the mention of his name, not only is he with us, but he sends in his warring angels because he's the Lord of hosts. He's the Lord of heavenly hosts. And that's why, church, in spiritual warfare, the name of Jesus has all power. Jesus is Jehovah Saba. And David didn't come against Goliath in his own strength or might. He declared verbally that he came against Goliath in the name of Jehovah Saba. In the name of the Lord of hosts. David was saying, I come in the name that has all power and all authority. And you have defied that name. Jesus is close as the mention of his name, isn't he? Whatever it is that we're going through, if we speak the name of Jesus, if we call on the name of Jesus, he's right there, Scripture says. He's with us. So when we're in the middle of the spiritual battle, we need to call on the name of Jesus. We need to learn to call on the name of Jesus. When the enemy is trying to take us out, we need to rise up and declare, enemy, devil, you come against me with such and such. Or you've come against me with these words. You've come against me with these tacts. But I come against you in the name of Jesus. The name that is greater than any name. The name that has the all power and all authority. And because of his blood, I'm a child of God. And God, the ultimate mighty ruler, almighty God, Lord Almighty, Jehovah Saba, the Lord of hosts, sends in his warring angels to protect us and to watch over us. And when we think, talk, and act like children of God in this way in regards to the authority that we have in God in and through Christ, we understand that our God is the Lord of hosts and that all power and all authority belong to him, just like David did. In Psalm chapter 24, David writes this victory song because the Ark of the Covenant was finally coming to Jerusalem to its resting place. And the Ark of the Covenant was and represented God's presence and that God was Lord over all, that he was Jehovah Saba. And so David says in verses 8 through 10, he says, Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, your gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is he, this King of glory? The Lord Almighty or Jehovah Saba. He is the King of glory. And so in David's declaration of praise, he is declaring that God is the king of glory. He is the Lord Almighty. He is Jehovah Saba, the Lord of hosts. He is the Lord that is strong and mighty, mighty in battle. And I want you to understand out of this passage that we see that the Lord of hosts is a military term to mean God of battles. That's what 
part of the meaning of that name is. The Lord of hosts means it's a military term that he, he is the God of battles. We serve the God of battles. It's a term in reference to waging war. That he is the Lord strong and mighty. That David was declaring here the name of God. That God was going to fight for Israel. That he was going to wage war on Israel's behalf as the Lord of hosts. That he is the Lord mighty in battle. That no one has more power and authority than God because all power and authority come from him. And so David was here in this passage, he was declaring to the city of Jerusalem to open its gates and and doors for God himself, through the Ark of the Covenant, his presence to come in and find his resting place within the walls of Jerusalem. Now that is a beautiful picture and representation of what happens at salvation for us through Christ. When we accept Jesus into our heart and life, what we are saying is, Jesus, come on in. Your resting place is on the inside of my heart and my life. So I open up myself, I'm opening up my walls for you to come in because you're the king of glory. And your presence, your power, your spirit is going to reside on the inside of me. This is your resting place. The application of this passage for our lives is this. God promises that he would fight for our battles. He would fight our battles for us. Well, there's a couple of you that kind of are excited a little bit about that. I don't know about you, man, but I get excited to know that my God, the one true God that I serve, will fight my battles. Because I don't have all the answers. I don't have all the strength. I don't have all the wisdom within myself to fight my own battles. But I know someone who does. And he promises In scripture, in this passage, that he will fight for our battles. God has promised us that we wouldn't have to fight our battles alone in life. But instead, he would fight our battles for us. That we have victory through Jesus. And this is one of the reasons it's so important not to war against the enemy in our own strength or ability. That's right. But that we don't go off apart from God to fight our own battles. But every day we have to put on the full armor of God, Scripture says in Ephesians 6. And we choose to stand on God's word of promises and we surrender to the lordship of Jesus Christ every single day. Because when we surrender to his lordship, we are living out the fact that God's ways are better. That his ways are higher. That he will fight the battle for us. And through him we've already won and have victory. That's God's promise for our lives as Jehovah Saba through Jesus. In the book of 2 Kings chapter 6, the king of Aram was at war with Israel and he was trying to trap Israel. And God used Elisha the prophet to warn the king of Israel to stay away from there or to stay away from that place where he was trying to trap Israel so that they wouldn't get into the middle of a trap. And this happened multiple times, scripture says in this passage. To the point where the king of Aram became so angry that he thought he had a mole who was sharing the secrets to Israel. And so he questions his officers, he questions his men, and he says, what is going on here? How come they're finding out about all of my secrets and my plans? And his officers said, there is no mole here, sir, but it's Elisha the prophet who is letting the king of Israel know where you're going to be. Why? Because God was showing Elisha and revealing to Elisha what the kingdom of Aram was going to do in his plans. 
And if you continue to read on in the passage, as the men come down for the battle of war, Elisha does something, but I want to set the story up here. In verses 13 through 17 of 2 Kings 6, it says, the king of Aram said, go find out where Elisha is, the king ordered, so that I can send men and capture him. The report came back, he is in Dothan. And then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. And so they went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, Elisha the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. And then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw that the hills were full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And we just sang about this. We just worshiped this out of this passage. Sometimes it looks like we're surrounded by the enemy. But in reality, God is surrounding us. This is such a powerful truth. And again, if you continue to read throughout the rest of this passage and story, as they begin to come down the hill towards Elisha, Elisha calls on the Lord to strike him with blindness. And the God instantly strikes him with blindness so that they can't recognize that it's Elisha. And he leads them into the middle of Samaria as they're blind. And then he says, God, reveal and open their eyes now. And God revealed and opened up their eyes and they saw that they're in the middle of Samaria and they never attacked and bothered with Israel again after that point. See, you see, this is such a powerful truth for our lives, church, as believers. God sends his army to surround us who are greater than the enemy. God's army is greater than the enemy's army. That's a fact. We serve the Lord of hosts. We serve the God who's in control over our lives and he sends the armies of heaven. He sends his warring angels, his heavenly hosts to watch over us and to protect us within our lives. And those who are with us are greater than the enemy or those that oppose us. Psalm 46, 7 says this, the Lord Almighty or Jehovah Saba is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. God is the Lord of hosts and he is with you. He's with you. He's the God of our fortress. He is a fortress to us in our lives. He surrounds us every single day. And he promises to never leave us or forsake us even though we can't see him. That's right. That's good. And when we call on his name, he is right there with us. He's with us. And when we're in trouble, we can call on the Lord and he send his angels to watch over us and protect us. Because greater is he that is within us than he that is in the world. That's the truth of who God is and what he does for us. Isaiah described the Lord Almighty as Jehovah Saba in Isaiah chapter 31, verse 5. And he says, like birds hovering overhead, the Lord Almighty will shield Jerusalem. He will shield it and deliver it. He will pass over it and will rescue it. Not only was this God's promise for Jerusalem and all of Israel, but it's true for our lives as well. As Jehovah Saba, the Lord watches over us. God is always watching us or he always has his eyes on our lives and our situations and what's going on in our world. Just like birds hovering overhead, God is watching. He sees you today. He sees what you went through this week or what you're going through in this past season. He knows it all. And his eyes never leave, 
leave us. He sees what we're going through and the battles that we face or the battles that we're up against on a daily basis. And he knows every single detail. That's right. Because as Jehovah Saba, he's watching over us as God Almighty. And in seeing what we go through, the Lord protects us, the scripture says. God will shield us from the enemy's attack. God sends in his warring angels to protect us from harm or danger, to keep us safe, even in the midst of the battle. And God is always protecting us, even when we don't realize it. That's right. That's right. If we knew really how much God has protected us in our lifetime, it probably would bring our worship to a whole new level. Because he's always there. He's always watching. And there's so many things that he's protecting us from that we don't even realize. That we never come in contact with. Because he's there watching over us and protecting us. And with his protection, the Lord delivers and rescues us. God will not leave us in the battle forever. That's good news. Because sometimes we feel like, man, we're in this battle forever. When is this spiritual battle going to end? Or this season of, 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 of trials and tribulations. But he delivers from the enemy and will rescue us from any harm or danger. That's, right. That's who our God is. And so, church, we can live in the peace knowing that no matter what we go through, that we serve the Lord of hosts. That's right. We serve the God who's in charge of the entire world, including our lives individually and personally. That's right. That's right. We serve the God that has all power, and he will watch over us. He will protect us, deliver and rescue us. And in the book of James, chapter 5, James refers to God as Jehovah Saba as well. And when he addresses those who are rich and those who oppress people, and because God will step in on behalf of those who are oppressed. And he says in verses four through six of James five, he says, look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the Lord, reached the ears of the Lord Almighty or Jehovah Saba. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the innocent one who was not opposing you. James is saying that the cries of those who are oppressed have reached the ears of Lord, the Lord Almighty. Jehovah Saba. Believers. People that have been oppressed by those who are rich or who are putting pressure on or taking advantage of, even though these people are innocent and they've done nothing to oppose God sees it all, and he hears our cries. I want you to be encouraged today, especially if you've been walking under oppression, to know that in times of oppression, know that God sees us and he hears us. That's right, amen. He hears your cries. Thank you, Lord. He hears your pleas. He hears your prayers. God not only sees what we're going through, but he hears our cries. He hears our pleas to him. When we cry out to God and say, God, help. Where are you in this time? God, I need you. God, I can't do it on my own. God, I don't know how I'm going to take another step in this situation. I don't know how I'm going to continue to go, but God, I need you in this moment. God hears you. And he's with you. And he will pull you through even in those times of oppression. God knows what we're going through and he will deliver us and rescue us in his timing. So we can be confident to know that the Lord has our back. That he's got our back and will deliver us from all oppression that people have tried to place on us. Or the enemy has. And James goes on to address us as believers then as to what our response should be when we experience oppression in verses 7 through 11. He says, be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. 
See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who persevere. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Amen, amen. I want to put it in context here to wrap it up. When it comes to dealing with oppression that's placed on us, not because of our own choices, not because of something that we've done, and we may be innocent not to oppose those who have oppressed us. But in those moments, James gives us the answers on how to deal with it until the Lord steps in as Jehovah Saba in his timing. The first thing is this. We must be patient and not complain while waiting for God to step in. That's harder to do than what it is just to say. We must be patient for the Lord's coming. And he's not only referring here to the return of Jesus when Jesus comes back for the church, but for the Lord to step into our personal situations and to deliver us from those trials and tribulations. To deliver us from those times of oppression from the enemy. And just like the farmer waits patiently for his crop, for his land to produce that valuable crop, as scripture says, we must be patient and stand firm on the promises of God to know that God will come in and will step into our situation and to bring justice. That's his promise to us. But we have to be patient and to wait on God. And he says along with this, we must not grumble or complain. Or in other words, as believers, we're supposed to be patiently waiting together. We should be encouraging one another. You can do this. Christ has already given you the victory. You don't have to give in to defeat because you've already won through Jesus. So hold on, and I'm standing with you. That's what we're called to do. We're to patiently wait together, not only for the return of Christ, but for God to step into our each and every situation that we walk through in our lives. Not allowing situations or times of suffering to cause us to complain, whether towards each other or just in general. Otherwise, when we complain, it says God will judge us accordingly. Instead, he says, as examples of patience or to be reminded of those that have suffered and persevered, we should go back through the scripture and be reminded to take heart to know that those who persevered through suffering were blessed. And God blessed them. And he says, even Job, just recall the account of Job. And what he went through. And at the end, God gave him a double portion of blessing. Because he was faithful to God. He was found faithful in God's eyes. Church, this is why we choose to persevere. Because God is the Lord of hosts and he's full of compassion and mercy. As Jehovah Saba, we can understand that our God is full of compassion and mercy. That he sees everything and so we can choose to persevere no matter what. We can persevere through any trouble, any trial, any hardship, or any situation because he has compassion for us. He will have mercy, will show his mercy in our lives and situations and all that we go through. And he will step in as Jehovah Saba with his armies, the heavenly host, to deliver and rescue us from every situation that we go through. I want you to understand something. Perseverance is a choice. It's a choice we make to continue moving forward in Christ. That's right. No matter when we feel like we're surrounded by the enemy, we continue to move forward in Jesus' name. 
Because God is ultimately surrounding us and protecting us. And we can make that choice because we know the God we serve. We know that he is the Lord of hosts, that he has all power and he has all authority in the entire world. I want you to be encouraged today, church, that we serve the Lord in charge of the armies of heaven. That he rules the world, including our lives. He's watching over us today. He's seen everything up until this point today within our lives. And he will deliver us and he will rescue us continually from the hand of the enemy. Because that's who he is. Through Jesus, that's who he is. And he commands his angels to surround us and protect us from evil as Jehovah Saba. He's the Lord of hosts. Come on. The enemy wants to instill fear. He wants to intimidate us. That he's going to take us out. And that's where we have to rise up. As children of Almighty God. And say, you come against me with words and attacks and such and such. But in the name of Jesus, I come against you. In the name that is greater than all names. The name that has all power and all authority. Because I know who my God is. And when we begin to live like that, when we we begin to think and act and talk like that, and live it out, we see and know and draw that much closer to God as Jehovah Saba. Because that's who he is in our lives personally. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes?